and welcome to Series 3 of our Weekend Cumbria podcast. This series is supported by Cumbria County Council. I'm Jenna Sutherland and I'll be your host once again. I'm the manager of the Weekend Project at ICANN Health and Fitness in Carlisle. In this series, I'm going to be inviting some more real local people to share their health and wellbeing experiences and expertise in authentic and open conversations with me. Real people telling their own stories in their own words. Today is, today is episode three and we're welcoming Becky Towns, who is currently working at Cumbria Volunteer Service. She's here to talk to us about the Step Forward project, which supports people with severe mental health experiences to get into employment or volunteering. Good morning, Becky. Morning, Jenna. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so I guess a really good place to start would be for you to tell us a little bit about the project that you've started working on. I know you've not worked there very long. We met recently. And you've told me about it, but for the benefit of the listeners, do you want to start from the beginning and tell us about the project? Yeah, no problem. So it is a new project, um, as you said, part of Cumbria Volunteer Service. Um, It is funded by North Cumbria Clinical Commissioning Group, which is always a bit of a mouthful. (laughs) And it's part of the wider Mental Health Transformation Fund. It's a service that is all about supporting people with severe mental health experiences get back into the workplace or help them get volunteering placements if they're not quite ready to work. It's a holistic service. Mm -hmm. It's based on the individual needs of the person. So that's what makes it a bit standout, really. We're not focused on getting the person a job just for getting them a job. We want to make sure that we're listening to what they want. What are their aspirations? What are their goals? Because how many times do you go to a networking event and people say, what do you do for a living, Jenna? What's your job? No one ever asks, do they? Mm. What's your aspirations? What's your goals? How are you doing today? Yeah. No one ever asks that. I think as well, what can often be forgotten, um, I know a lot of this through my background in jobs I've done previously, and a lot of that was around employability and helping people to get back into work. Whether it was um, after mental health experiences or other health experiences or other background issues, sometimes they'd been long-term unemployed for all sorts of reasons, but the one thing that, that really stands out is the stigma that's attached to being unemployed. And like you say, it is very often the very first question people ask when, when you meet someone. Oh, yeah, where do you work? What do you do? Um, and from speaking to people, there's, there's, people are embarrassed sometimes. Um, so I think there's a lot to be said about the emotional support that needs um, to be wrapped around people who maybe have been out of work for a little while for whatever reason. Um, just allowing them the space to just say how they feel about that because often the stigma involved gets overlooked as well. I, I think that's totally right and I feel that stigma, it, it, that experience, like people become frightened then to talk to people mm. and for someone who's got severe mental health experiences, it, it just makes things 10 times worse and sometimes people don't want to leave the house because if that is the first question you're going to get asked, why is our life worth or value placed on the job we do Mm. surely it's more that you're getting enjoyment out of the things that you're doing in life and I think that's what's important about this new service it's not just focused on work it is also focused on finding volunteering placements because if you're not quite ready to make that next step if you've got financial reasons that may be putting you off or if it's the barriers of what are people going to think like you've said that stigma Mm. or actually people just don't understand they think like, as soon as I tell them I've got a severe mental health experience, for example, schizophrenia, mm. that can be a scary word to a lot of people. Yeah. 
people don't want to make a judgment, but that unconscious bias that people have, it automatically resonates with people. And people maybe think, oh, I don't want to sit next to that person. What are they thinking? What are they going to do? But actually, they're just a person like me and you. They've got their own wants and needs. And if you know what support they need and what helps them, what triggers them, just having that open, honest conversation, you'll find that most people who are having these experiences are willing to open up and willing to share. And it gets that conversation going and helps break down those stigmas, which is a crucial element of our service. We want to break down the stigmas and we want to help try and address and remove some of the barriers that are already there. Are you finding, so the people that you support, and I know it's very new, the project, um, so it'll just be in its infancy, but the people that you are supporting, are you finding that one of the main barriers is them worrying about having that conversation with potential employers and at what stage do you have that conversation? Would they have it in an interview? Would they bear it in an application or further down the line? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things people say, I don't want to disclose Mm. because people are going to make an opinion of me. I often hear people say, as soon as I tell you I've got a mental illness or I'm having a mental health experience, I can see it in their eyes that they've already boxed me off into a category and they may be sitting there as an employer thinking, I'm going to get a load of absences Mm. with this person, so I'm not necessarily going to consider them for, for a job. But actually, I would always encourage someone to disclose because it's better for you if you're mm. having that experience. Having that disclosure really helps you and could identify a plan that you could work with the employer mm-hmm. or the volunteering person to make sure that you've got the right support in place. So I would always encourage disclosure because I think that openness builds trust. It builds that relationship and that key to creating those positive outcomes over the longer term. It's a very difficult step. Mm. Um, you said yourself, you've worked in that employment sector trying to get people back into work. It's challenging when you've been out of it for a long time and the barriers just feel even bigger than they probably did five, ten years ago if you haven't taken those next steps. It's just a vicious cycle as well, I've found, because I feel like the longer people are out of work, the more out of practice they are with just the basic things like communication. Um, That's often things that you pick up in a workplace, isn't it? Um, And I feel like they then become more and more isolated, so they're having less conversations and probably just less aware of actually how willing people are to have these conversations now because the more you're isolated it you're probably you're probably building it up to be something that it isn't because people are opening up to these conversations and it is the world is getting better um I know that's not all workplaces and there's definitely still work to be done which is what this project for um so what kind of things will you be doing with employers Well, one of the first things is using this podcast, hopefully, to reach out to employers and hopefully something resonates with them for me to say like, oh, I'll speak to Becky, let her come in and speak to our teams and things. I think the key thing is working with them to think about their end-to-end recruitment process. Mm. How are you advertising jobs? Actually think about people with different needs. And it may not just be people with severe mental health experiences. It may be people returning from maternity who are having challenges with their Mm. mental health because of all the things that that encompasses. But if you've got a full-time role, does it need to be a full-time role? Could it be something that fits under the benefits scale? So people who are wanting to take those first steps, their tentative step for someone Mm. could try and get back into work, but not be financially concerned that they're going to lose out if it doesn't work out, Mm. if that makes sense. I think that's one of the key things for us to consider and work with employers on. And also at the same time, Think about if you do offer someone employment who's got severe mental health experiences, right from the onset, work together with them. 
maybe partner them up with someone in the organisation that can create an action plan, work with them so that they know they've got this wellbeing action plan in place right from day dot to say, actually, these are my triggers. I actually work better in the afternoon, so you're going to get more of an output in the afternoon, maybe because of the drugs that I'm taking Mm. or actually because my mental health experiences are better in the afternoon than they are in the morning. So I'm just letting you know that as a workplace. So people have that real understanding on a human level and you have the empathy for someone to say, actually, I know what I need to do to support you. You've been very open and honest. Let us do the same back as an employer. Mm, Oh, wow. Imagine, imagine a world. I know that there's some people have this already and there's some absolutely fantastic employers in particular locally. And we are all the same ones always spring to mind um, that are doing, doing this work. So they're, they're leading the way. Um, is, there, is there a world in which small, maybe smaller employers can kind of go and visit these and kind of shadow the bigger employers and they can lead the way and be almost like mental health workplace champions in their own right? I think in an ideal world, that would be absolutely amazing because there are so many small organisations mm. now, isn't there? There's a lot of family-run businesses, which must be a challenge in itself if you've got someone who's struggling with their mental health in a family circumstance because it makes it so much more personal. Whereas it's a, if it's a big organisation, a large corporation, you can sort of detach from it a little bit, mm. but you would hope the support was still in place. So I think that would be a great idea. So if there's any small businesses out there and that would like that sort of support, maybe I could act as a connector to do that, to, to start building up a rapport with people and to connect you to some of the log, larger organisations that are out there doing that support. I think that's a brilliant idea. I think it would be really good as well because I think it, it's all well and good us um, sitting here and kind of advocating for the people with the mental health experiences, but also, you know, I come from a family, we've got a family business, so I, I know how these small run family businesses work and and sometimes it might feel like a bigger risk to them kinds of organizations so it's almost like they would have a mentor then wouldn't they in in that someone that's maybe been through it and seen and someone that will actually be honest with the the challenges as well because there will be challenges we we can't sit here and say it's going to be smooth sailing but how do we overcome them challenges is probably the conversation we need to be having yeah, and I think that's really important because that opens up the platform for those key conversations because mm. I think the key thing for me is embedding mental health in the workplace or even at home mm. as part of the everyday. How do we normalise those conversations? Because yeah. I always say to people, the scenario for me is if you're at home, you fall down the stairs, you hear a bit of a snap, you look at your arm and it's just like, it's obviously broken. Mm. You would reach out for support straight away. There was no hesitation in phoning someone and saying, I need to see someone. Yeah. Why can't we try to get to that point with our mental health, Mm. particularly with severe mental health experiences and having organisations open up the platform to say, yeah, we're comfortable enough to to have this conversation. We might not have all of the answers, which I think is the key thing. And for any business, I would say you're not going to have all of the answers, but that's why the support service is out there. Mm -hmm. So you can work with support services to say, I've got an employee who is struggling this way. Is there anything that you can help signpost me to or give me guidance for? And I think that idea of um, larger business mentors who are doing this successfully and Mm -hmm. implemented it successfully is a brilliant idea. And I I would definitely love to see that happen in in our region, right across our local organisations. So so I take it there's two ways in which people can get in touch. So the people who are the individual who is currently going through mental health experiences and wants 
one-to-one support from the project they can get into? Yeah, so people can self-refer. Um, we have a website, um, and so on the Cumbria Volunteer Service website, Cumbria CVS, as some people might know it, um, we have a step forward page. So there's a self-referral form, um, which is really simple to use. Because what we wanted to do is make sure that the service is really straightforward. Because mm. one of the barriers, what we come back to again, is everything's really complex. Even like application forms, yeah. forms with um, the DWP and benefits and everything can be overwhelming for people. So we wanted to make it really straightforward. Um, but we're also trying to get out there and network. So again, talking to employers, have you got someone with severe mental health experiences who might want a volunteer placement to help their own mental health? Mm-hmm. Um, we are connecting with, say, social prescribers or other local community organisations, organisations like yourself, but yeah. we can, you do a lot of community groups, you have a lot of sessions and leaving our information with you, if you spot someone in your groups who may need a little bit of extra support that we can help with. So it's all just about connecting with local mm. group. The progress um, is is quite slow because um, people are wanting to self-refer but are still hesitant. So as you said earlier, we are in our infancy. We're three weeks um, live from our launch date. Um, but we have had 17 referrals already and they have been self-referrals, um, which is fantastic because it's Brilliant. people making those steps themselves. Mm. But we're hoping as we do more things like this, we encourage GP surgeries to maybe refer people to us, other NHS organisations as well. And just so we can support people, find the right direction for them yeah. and break down some of those barriers. So what what does that support look like in the initial stages? Because I think that can sometimes put people off. They're like, well, oh, I'm going to self-refer for this, but I don't really know what it's going to look like. So they are filling the form online today. What is that going to look like? Will someone call me? or? Yeah, so as soon as someone fills in the form, that'll come in via email. We will then send an email back to that person mm-hmm. to ask what time is best to contact them and um, how best to contact them. As I said at the start, we really want this service to meet the needs of that individual. If someone isn't quite ready for face-to-face and they want to do everything via email initially because that's how they feel comfortable, that's what we'll do. If someone meets face-to-face, we'll meet face-to-face. It could be in a coffee shop, it could be a local park, it could be at our head office down at Shaddengate. Um, we want to make sure that we're getting the right space for the person yeah. so and how they'll open up. So they be meeting you or is there a few? Yeah, so they'll meet me initially yeah. um, and we'll have that chat of what they're looking for. Are they looking for work? Are they looking for volunteering? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll talk through with them what the next steps are, which is ultimately creating an action plan. Yeah. What do they see there? Their top three to five goals are. Mm. Again, we don't want to make things overwhelming. We don't want to give people like 10 goals that mm-hmm. become unachievable because that's just disheartening, isn't it? When yeah. I mean, I don't know what your to-do list is like, but when you can't cross something off, you feel a bit like... Yeah, deflated, <laughs> yeah. That's why sometimes really, and I have this conversation, you know, just even in support groups and stuff, um, and it depends on the individual and, and how they feel rewarded. But for me, I really like ticking things off a list. Oh, satisfying. So even if that list really basic to begin with, and, and sometimes it needs to be really, really basic, because let's be honest, if people have been out of work, and living a really isolated life for a long time, then things like sending that email or doing that self-referral, that's a huge thing. Or even getting up and getting showered or, I don't know, taking a walk to the shop. It doesn't have to be huge goals that that can make you feel that sense of achievement. Yeah, and I think that's exactly right. And it's making sure, because you're not sure at that stage, are the person 
living by themselves, as mm. are socially isolated. So making the steps small, mm. making them achievable is then a real big win for somebody. And that's what we really want to get across is that the small things can create big wins. It builds your confidence. And that's ultimately what we want to do is build confidence. So then you're at a stage, even if it's six to 12 months down the line, that, that 12 months you're like, yes, I'm ready to go take on this challenge yeah. of work. I'm ready to go and take on this challenge of volunteering and I can do it because I've got the skills. I've been working with you on building confidence. We may have done courses together or through community groups Mm -hmm. that are in the region and things. So the project is supporting people in North Cumbria. So Carlisle, Allerdale, Eden and Copeland. Um, So we are restricted regionality, um, but we're hoping to connect with lots more community groups um, to support us in different ways. So signpost people to the courses and things that are going to benefit them. Because ultimately, if people learn at the end of the day as well, they're just building those skills, Mm. the resilience. And I think confidence is an important one. How long is the project set to last? So we're initially funded for two years. Uh Um, We're hopeful that it could be extended, um, but we'll see how it goes. Um, Yeah, so initially funded for two years. So once someone refers, how long could their support last for and how often do you see that being or is it very much based on the individual? So... Once somebody gets a volunteer placement or a job, mm-hmm. we will then support them 14 weeks after that because okay. we want to make sure that they're maintaining that and mm. if they fall back out of the job or anything, we start again with them yeah. and we'll work again. But the support will be very much dependent on the individual. So it may be that I've met someone yesterday and they're not in employment or volunteering for the next six months. We'll work with them through that six months and then if they get a job or volunteer placement then, 14 weeks after that we'll continue to support so there isn't a time limit on the support for the individual obviously there's a a limit on the project as it stands yeah but people can take from the project kind of as much or as little as they need yeah it's all led by them as I say it's a holistic approach we want to make sure that they're connected with it I think that's the most important thing because if someone isn't engaged I don't want to waste their time Mm. um I want to make sure that they are connected they are engaged and yeah, it could be one or two appointments a week. It could be one or two appointments a month. It's very much led by them and their needs. Because as you'll know, with the groups that you support, people's mental health fluctuates, doesn't it? Some yeah. people have good week, good days, bad days. Um, so it's very much led by them. And I don't want to put any more pressure or overwhelm anyone mm. just to say, right, we've ticked a box, we've done this. I want to make sure that I am matching their needs and helping them achieve whatever aspiration they've got no matter how small that is oh it sounds amazing as well I just I really like the idea um of people having appointments as well when in these situations I think that even that in itself is is a step in the right direction a step forward as the project's yeah. <laughs> called is a step in the right direction because obviously if you haven't if you have haven't got a job and you haven't been working for a long time there's sort of a real lack of structure in your week so even that in itself like I was saying that the small steps is being able to make an appointment even if that's a telephone appointment that's something that is adding a bit of structure to your day and that's a step in the right direction from that you can build and obviously you're going to help with confidence and in turn that increase in communication skills so I think it's brilliant I really do. Oh thank you very much yeah we're hoping it's going to be a real success as we say we're very much dependent on referrals Mm. so we're looking forward to them coming through um, and we have had 17 so far in only sort of three weeks. So we're seeing that as a real win so far that there's people out there who obviously feel 
there's a need for the service, even if it's initially to break down their own social isolation, because we want to make sure that whatever we're doing is purposeful for the Mm. individual. We don't want to just tick a box, as I've mentioned. We want to make sure it's meaningful opportunities, because even if it's volunteering, you've got to get something out of it, because if you don't get something out of it, what's the point? Yeah, I think as well, this is, in my experience, always been a huge issue in the social isolation that you touched on but even even now it's even worse because after the last few years we've had people have got in the comfort zones haven't they people in them situations are well in the comfort zones it's going to take even more projects like this I think there's more demand than there's ever been um to help people take this step forward I do like the name of it actually um because it's always been a challenge but now even more so yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And over the next few months, I think with the cost of living crisis as mm. well, and people who aren't working particularly, and they're struggling with their mental health, it's definitely going to be a massive challenge. And unfortunately, those like you said, those numbers are only going to increase. They're only mm. going to grow. So having someone to support you, even if it's just initially for someone to listen, mm. and then you reach an action plan, and then you develop some goals where you build that trust with an individual. I think that's going to be paramount to our project. So I'm really excited it started. I'm really excited to get stuck in. Um, I'm really excited to support people. And key for me is talking to employers, mm-hmm. making sure that we try and break down those barriers, address some of that stigma, mm-hmm. try and remove some of that unconscious bias. I think that's really important for me. Um, so anyone listening and wants to talk, I'm here. <laughs> and what is the easiest way to get in touch? People need a really easy way to get in touch with you. They can email me at stepforward at cumbriacvs.org.uk. And I'll also add that into the information attached to this podcast and I'll copy some links in if I can um, on any social media. So that's excellent. Um, thanks so much for coming to talk to us about it because like I say, it, 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 for me with my, my background, the, the, the other projects that I've worked on, I know how important it has always been to help people take, take this step. But now, more than ever, it's absolutely crucial. So best of luck with the project and anything I can do to help, I definitely will be and I'll be referring people to you. And obviously that works both ways. If you get people to a point that they really could benefit from some a support group or just connecting with other humans, (laughs) because sometimes that in itself um, can make amazing results, just having a cup of tea with other human beings. Um, So definitely send people my way when you feel like they're at that point um so. oh, I definitely will because I totally agree having a cup of tea having a crack with someone doesn't always solve everything but no. it makes a world of difference so thank you very much no, and thank, thank you very much you. for having me thank you thank you for listening to the Weekend Cumbria podcast if you're affected by any of the issues raised in any of our episodes and would like to talk then please do get in touch you can contact us via our Facebook or Instagram pages which you can find by searching Weekend Cumbria 